0: is Bean to barstool a podcast that looks at the intersections of craft beer and craft chocolate my name is david nelson i'm a professional beer writer and an advanced cicerone and the creator and host of this show the music for this episode is by my dear friend indie folk musician anna p.s you can find out more about anna's music in the show notes or at her website annapsmusic.com you can find links and information about our guests in the show notes as well I hope you enjoy this episode of Bean to Barstool. In today's episode, we'll talk with Rebecca Hess, the founder and chocolate maker at Cleveland Chocolate Company in Cleveland, Ohio. Rebecca was a classically trained fine dining chef who fell in love with bean to bar chocolate and changed her career to make chocolate her life. We'll also hear from Sean Yasaki, founder of Noble Beast Brewing in Cleveland, who uses Rebecca's cacao in several of his beers. February 2020 was a simpler time. Actually, it was the last simple time. It feels now like it was the end of simple time. For Rebecca Hess, it seemed like the perfect time to open Cleveland Chocolate, her bean-to-bar chocolate company in the eponymous northeastern Ohio City. Soon, of course, nothing was simple anymore, but Rebecca adapted, and two years later, despite an ongoing pandemic, her chocolate company is thriving. Cleveland Chocolate produces classic single-origin bars that let their cacao shine through, as well as a thoughtfully curated rotation of imaginative inclusion bars, like her 35% white chocolate with sweet corn and lime. Listen in as Rebecca tells the story of how she went from the world of fine dining to making craft chocolate.
1: Chocolate fell into my lap, I guess. It was a real random occurrence of my career change. <laughs> Started as a chef and have been uh, a chef in the industry here in the Cleveland area for going on oh, almost 20 years. <laughs> and it, over the past uh, few years, uh, I transitioned out of out of fine dining restaurants and into uh, the personal chef services. And I was... Working with a company in Miami, getting uh, a really awesome tropical fruit uh, delivered right to our doorstep, uh, and every every week they started including uh, fresh cacao pods, which I had never been exposed to that side of chocolate. And for for me, fermentation has always been very interesting. And whether it's making vinegars or my own. Sweet pickles or just anything with fermentation has always been very interesting. So to learn the forefront of chocolate of quality chocolate uh, making is the proper fermentation at the origin. That was enough to suck me in, <laughs> and from there I, I continued with the research and yeah, so we we invested in some small melangers, uh, the same style as uh, what we use uh, currently in the shop. just now we've upgraded the size to do a, a twenty pound batch <laughs> versus the three the three and five pound batches that I was making at the house so so started experimenting with the process of, of making the chocolate from scratch and started saving all the fresh cocoa beans and fermenting them myself. The fermentation process, it typically is happening at the origin, just travel and cost and shipping fresh uh, cocoa pods. The, the weight is going to be so much different versus shipping a dried cocoa bean. While I wasn't able, it, at that point, we were in the the start of, of COVID-19. Uh, so I wasn't able to go directly to the source, but these fresh pods were coming directly to me. So I just skipped skipped that step and just started doing it in really small batches at home. Uh, just so I could understand the process. And eventually that that's that would be the the goal is to be able to to grow our own and and be able to do that in some in some small scale kind of an undefined step right now, but a, a goal for for Cleveland Chocolate Company to eventually be able to do that. I, I grew up on a blueberry farm and the farming aspect and growing everything kind of from start to finish has, has just been Im- embedded in me. So I think that it would be naive to say that was not part of my my long-term goal. It's certainly it's not in the near future, but we're always always working towards that goal.
0: What was the trial and error like of learning to ferment that yourself?
1: It was interesting just to be in Cleveland trying to <laughs> to ferment and dry beans uh, in a cool in a cool house <laughs> versus a, a nice hot tropical climate. So with the fermentation, at the the temperature is so key getting a ferment to start and actually continue to to produce the proper bacteria that you're looking for. I I used a lot of uh, banana leaves that went into Chinatown and got some banana leaves for, for covering the bowls and making as most of a traditional, uh, experience as I could (laughs) in the dead of winter in Cleveland. (laughs) Uh, and then, and then from there, the fermentation process, I, I was experimenting from anywhere. Five to probably seven days because of the te- the cool temperatures I was leaning more to the the seven days
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I think that in that warmer climates you're definitely you see producers that will anywhere from four to five days the batches that I fermented and went through the whole the whole process they were they were small batches so it was harder to get a real gauge on them but they were, they were delicious. There wasn't anything that really stood out as far as, oh, I should have fermented this for five days versus the the seven. Uh, but I, I feel like I learned a lot about the process through those extra steps.
0: So obviously you can't do that at the scale that you're producing chocolate now, as you mentioned, where are you sourcing your cacao from?
1: Uh, so I'm working with a great company. Uh, they're a certified B Corp out in uh, Berkeley, California called Uncommon Cacao. And they are sourcing uh, some of the best, highest quality uh, organic and, and some conventional cows from all over the world. So I'm working with uh, seven different origins right now, producing uh range from 15 to 20 different bars out of those offerings.
0: Do you have origins that you've developed a particular affinity for?
1: I really love working with Pisa Haiti. Like I mentioned before, I grew up on a blueberry farm and the, the flavor profile with this one is just full of blueberry and vanilla and hazelnut. And I also, uh, in my younger years, traveled to Haiti a handful of times. So I think the combination of the the flavor profile just being absolutely delicious and the connection that I have with the country, I think that that's probably my hands-down favorite. And I also really enjoy our cacao from uh, Dominican Republic. I do that a few different bars in the 70% range to uh, 91%. The 91% is my favorite bar just for snacking. It's just such a, a low percentage of sugar uh, versus the, the true cacao. And I think the flavor really shined through really nice bright red fruits and strawberry, uh, a little bit of honey on the finish.
0: Rebecca's Dominican Republic bars are lovely with notes of strawberry and floral honey, gentle roast, and a subtle but warming spice I couldn't quite put my finger on. I was in the Dominican Republic a dozen years ago this month, in February 2010, to visit my dad. The Vancouver Winter Olympics were in full swing, and watching downhill skiing and snowboarding while dripping sweat in the humid heat of his apartment every evening was certainly a surreal juxtaposition. This morning, it was negative 2 degrees Fahrenheit here in Ohio, with a wind chill of negative 15 Tasting these elegant bars today brings the warmth of this island nation back to my mind, an inverse of my experience all those years ago. As she just shared, Rebecca started out as a fine dining chef before she came to chocolate making, and I asked her how that background influences her approach to working with cacao.
1: Whether I'm cooking savory food or putting together a new chocolate origin bar or bonbons, I think that I'm always looking to just highlight the natural cacao itself and the natural ingredient the inclusions are are fun but i think that it's more of just highlighting those natural characteristics that come with each of those origins and as a as the chocolate maker not getting in the way and i think that it's kind of always been my approach whether it's food or chocolate so I think kind of continuing away from the food side and moving into the chocolate world, it's been still a natural occurrence and a natural feeling where it's it's just trying to highlight what those farmers and growers produced and not get in the way of it and mess it up. <laughs>
0: What is the chocolate tasting experience like for you? You're working with this all day and you've got to, you know, meet quotas and do all that different stuff. What is it like for you to actually get to sit down and taste a chocolate just for yourself?
1: I think for me, if I am completely removed from the chocolate shop and I'm at home and kind of out of, out of the making elements, I think it's not easier to taste, but it's easier to for myself to be removed from the kitchen itself and in a separate, separate area to not get distracted by the other the other smells and just other i guess elements going on so ideally a nice uh quiet night at home with a few bars to taste kind of side by side with a lot of water for cleansing cleansing the palate in between and I think that that's that that's great. I think tasting chocolate while you're making it is very different. When you're tasting unfinished chocolate straight from a melanger that's that's warm and liquid, it tastes very different versus versus the tempered finished bar that you'll later taste. So I think that there's different sides of tasting, and you get a different experience with each of those steps.
0: Can you but- tell when you're tasting? That unfinished chocolate straight out of the melanger, what that's going to be like when it's finished? Is that a pretty predictable change?
1: It is and it isn't, but that can be also achieved with a tiny bit of cane sugar and a freshly roasted, broken cocoa bean that you've smashed in your hand and taken the cocoa nibs and just just give a a little rough test right there. No melanger no melanger needed, but it'll give you a a rough idea of what you're looking like as far as flavor profile.
0: If you're just tasting chocolate for yourself, do you have favorites, whether specific bars or general types of chocolate that you gravitate toward?
1: Gravitate to the the higher percentage dark chocolates. Like I was talking earlier the the 91% from Dominican Republic. That's hands down my favorite bar. But I typically anywhere in kind of the 70 range and up, I would say are my preferred dark chocolates. But I I haven't met a a lot of chocolate that I don't like. It's just more of the preference of if I'm gonna if I'm tasting a bar or if I'm actually going to consume the better part of a bar. <laughs> so, I, I really enjoy more of a, a medium roast. So, as you can actually taste some of those lighter floral and the fruits that come out in a lot of the bars versus a really dark, roasted, super fudgy bar.
0: Both for myself and from talking to a lot of other people, it feels like tasting chocolate is a particularly contemplative experience compared to tasting a lot of other things. Is, do you feel like that's true for you? What does chocolate say to you when you're tasting?
1: I do. I think that each chocolate can say something different in each, each of its own settings. I think that it's more of what you're looking for it to say to you. And I think that being able to really just taste those underlying flavor profiles, I think that that's like the most important thing is... To, to really taste what that origin tastes like, and just, just like wine and coffee. I think that the, the regions really impact the flavor so much, and you can, you can essentially sit on your couch and take a trip around the world <laughs> with chocolate. I think that that's a very interesting side of chocolate that I never saw before and never realized existed.
0: So being there in Cleveland, you have a bunch of very good craft breweries around you, and you have worked with uh, at least one of those, Noble Beast Brewing. Tell me a little bit about how that relationship came about.
1: Yeah, uh, Noble Beast Brewery, the the chef, Chef James uh, Redford and I worked together years ago at a farm-to-table restaurant here in Cleveland. And the friendship has continued over the years, ever since they've opened the brewery my husband and I have have frequented and haven't lost touch. So James introduced me to Sean, the brewer and owner at Noble Beast, and their passion for high-end, high-quality farm-to-table food has really transferred well into their high-quality search for ingredients in the beer-making process. So it was a, a great match to team up and get some cocoa nibs uh, their way for brewing. When we opened Cleveland Chocolate Company in February of 2020, that was right before COVID happened. And James initially reached out for chocolate. They set up a, like a kind of a farmer's market almost within their own restaurant and did online sales and reached out to see if I'd be interested selling wholesale. That was the, the first month that we opened and I, wholesale was on my mind, but it wasn't necessarily going to happen as quickly as it did. But with the COVID closures, it, it made sense. And they were our first wholesale account as well. And then transitioned into using the chocolates and uh, the pastries and the cocoa nibs in the brewing process. They've been brewing, I think, four to five uh, imperial stouts over the past few years with with our cocoa nibs.
0: That's really cool. How does the cacao selection process for that work? Do you get together and taste origins and decide what's going to work? Or do you just go with something like Ghana that's kind of a straight-ahead cocoa flavor?
1: We've kind of gone back and forth uh with some sharing information as far as what end result uh and then I've also shared information as far as flavor profiles and what's currently available so it's kind of been a back and forth back and forth game we've used Ghana a handful of times and uh, one of the times we we did use the Haitian cacao as well so, yeah, for the imperial stouts that they've been brewing, our Ghana region really works well for the real fudgy profile that they're looking for.
0: I saw recently that they released Baker's Russian Imperial Stout. Tell me a little bit about that one.
1: Yeah, the Baker's Russian Imperial Stout we've done two years in a row now. So that was exciting. That was an imperial stout with roasted marshmallows, toasted coconut, and a little bit of vanilla and cocoa nibs. So, really nice. Not too over the top with like sweetness, just a really nice balance.
0: What was your relationship with craft beer before your friendship there at Noble Bees?
1: I've always enjoyed craft beer and, and wine. I wouldn't say I'm a brewer by any means, but I've, <laughs> I've brewed a handful of batches uh, with friends and my brother has done a lot of brewing in the past, so we've done some batches together. So it's it's really fun to see uh, some of the local breweries uh, using the product and having my hands in it in some in some way. <laughs> it's just it's fun to see.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you have a favorite of the beers that they've made with your cacao?
1: The Baker's Russian was definitely my favorite, um, and the they did a Peacemaker. They did a 2020 vintage of it, and that one had the addition of like of coffee in it. Mm. And that, that was really great
0: too. Noble Beast Brewing is a fantastic brewery in Cleveland, not far from Lake Erie, just off downtown. While they brew a wide range of beers well, they are perhaps best known for their impeccable classic lager styles. The brewery's Murder Ballads Baltic Porter has meddled twice at the Great American Beer Festival, the nation's most prestigious. And I included their Graf Vienna in my best of 2021 list earlier this year. While chocolate beers are a far cry from classic European lagers, Sean says brewing both comes down to the same important factors ingredients and process. Cleveland chocolate was his first significant exposure to bean to bar chocolate, but his understanding of coffee provided an easy entry point.
1: We'll be right back.
0: Hey everyone. Getting a Cicerone certification is an amazing way to raise your beer knowledge and can be a game changer for your beer career. But how are you supposed to find the time to prep and how are you supposed to know exactly what to study? Don't sweat because the Beer Scholar has you covered. The Beer Scholar is a sponsor of Bean to Barstool, but I can tell you from personal experience years before I was doing this podcast how helpful the Beer Scholar study guides are. They offer efficient online courses for levels one and two that cover everything you need to know, tips and tricks for how to pass the exams and include live weekly Zooms to taste and discuss classic beer styles together. They even have a new coaching program for the level three advanced Cicerone exam. I used the Beer Scholar study guide to pass my level 2 exam many years ago. I wish the level 3 had been around when I took that exam. I had to do it on my own. Wish their study guides had been available for that at the time. The vast majority of certified Cicerones in the world today have used Beer Scholar to help achieve the goal of passing that exam. If you are ready to take your beer career to the next level, visit thebeerscholar.com and check out their online courses.
2: I wouldn't say I was super familiar with Dean Tabar, but, you know, having a little bit of knowledge on the coffee side of things and and how some of those relationships between, you know, growers and wholesalers and purchasers here have improved and ways that, you know, those relationships can really benefit the growers. um, I was was aware of a lot of the similarities.
0: Uh, Rebecca had specifically mentioned a few of the beers that you have uh, used her cacao in. She talked about Baker's Russian Stout. Can you tell me a little bit about that one?
2: So the Bakers Russians started off as a collaboration with the Cleveland craft beer community, which is a local Facebook group. We kind of ha- had an open ended collab where they could help choose style and uh, no surprise, you know, we ended up with a big adjunct heavy imperial stout. And so it was cacao nibs, uh, roasted marshmallows, coconut. You know, we're, we're kind of looking for the biggest chocolate punch we could get. You know, we don't really uh, we, we don't use any extracts here in our beers. So we're just looking for like huge flavor and it's, it's really nice to be able to work with Rebecca and say, hey, here's what we're doing. What do you recommend? What kind of will give us these flavors? And so like those those nibs are incredible, you know, and in a matter of days, we're just getting this incredible like fudge character coming out of the beer and really just pulls together a lot of the malt elements and all the other adjunct flavors we're adding as well.
0: She also mentioned Peacemaker. Tell me a little bit about that one.
2: Peacemaker was a a, kind of a long boil Imperial Stout. I think that one, Boiled for over five hours, and again, I think we kind of use the same nibs and same technique, and, and just really wanted that fudgy character to go along with the like kind of over caramelized word that we were making.
0: She mentioned for that fudgy character that she was suggesting Ghana nibs. Ghana's kind of classic for having that straight ahead chocolate cocoa flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about some other beers? Have you used her nibs in other experiments?
2: We started using them in our uh, cookies and milk stout, which is our, you know, our our Christmas themed uh, imperial stout. So we don't do a traditional Christmas ale. We kind of make this big uh, cookie inspired imperial stout that was based off a cookie that we used to sell all the time in our our kitchen. But um, it kind of has a bunch of those same ingredients, oats, chocolate, vanilla, pretzels even.
0: So let's talk a little bit about process you mentioned that in a couple days you get that fudge i assume you're just putting these in in secondary to cold steep
2: yeah we um we hang them in, in bags weigh them down and, and put them in secondary yeah.
0: and how long is that usually taking
2: we get a pretty nice flavor contribution by day three we have not found that they overextract. We haven't kind of picked up any unwanted bitterness or anything like that so if we have the time They'll stay in for probably a little over a week.
0: Okay, so it's a little more forgiving than something like coffee that you're steeping in there.
2: Yes, yeah, I found it yeah, very forgiving.
0: Was there any trial and error to figuring out the best way to do that?
2: We've certainly played around with you know the weights, how much we're using, the volume. Other than that, we get pretty quick extraction and it's diminishing returns after that. So really by you know three to five days, uh, we're getting really nice flavor out of it.
0: There been any surprises along the way that you weren't expecting with working with this high quality cacao?
2: I think a, a nice surprise is is how the flavor ages. Not that it is harsh to begin with, but it does round out, you know, in the, in the package even. That intensity stays. It gets a little bit rounder, maybe even a little bit more, um, you know, kind of milk chocolatey, kind of that warmer sweetness to mm-hmm.
0: it. Had you ever brewed with more commodity cacao before this?
2: Earlier, we did do something... Um, You know, just kind of something random that we purchased online, uh, didn't know a whole lot about it and did not get that same intense fudge character that we really love out of, uh, you know, Rebecca's beans.
0: What's next? Do you have plans for another cacao beer that you would like to experiment with?
2: I don't think we have any plans in the pipeline. The Cookies and Milk's Out is an annual beer. The Baker's Russian is probably turning into that because we did that initial single batch for the collaboration it was great. We ended up canning it, but because of that there was barely any draft and that beer was just screaming to go into bourbon barrels. <laughs> and at the end we just we didn't have enough left over. So we brewed a double batch this past fall. Uh, we still have some on tap now. And actually today we'll be filling those bourbon barrels and I think we'll have six, you know, age those for a year. So I'm really looking forward to the interplay between that, you know, that such a rich decadent beer and then mm-hmm. the time in barrels. I think it's, it's going to be a really really fun beer.
0: How do you anticipate that chocolate flavor aging and interacting with the barrel after that long?
2: I think it'll last and, and be really nice. I mean, we still have some of the cans from that first run of the Baker's Russian and they're, they're as fudgy as ever. You know, we ended up actually entering that beer into Great American Beer Festival and we entered it into the chocolate beer category. Mm-hmm. And these cans were already quite old at that point. Uh, you know, it's a 12% beer, it's gonna hold up really well. You know, we didn't end up meddling Kind of, we were kind of squeezing a, a big adjunct stout into the chocolate beer category, so it might not have been the best fit. But we did that because the chocolate held up so well and was still so intense when you drink it. You know, some of the other adjuncts had kind of fallen away, as you might expect. But the chocolate was present as ever.
0: So, what's your relationship to bean-to-bar chocolate or craft chocolate now? After your exposure to Rebecca's chocolate, are you a, a fan of just eating the chocolate on its own?
2: Uh, absolutely. You know, anytime we we buy nibs from her a couple little little bars get thrown in as a freebie which is really nice definitely have to take one of those home to uh, please the wife but yeah in general you know everything that we do from our kitchen to the brewery is kind of all about you know quality and using the best ingredients and supporting uh, you know as a local business and it's just kind of like a, a mom and pop shop of regular people like that's who we want to support so from malt to, you know, kitchen ingredients, um, all the way to kind of random brewing ingredients. If we can do that, and obviously the quality is there, that's always the direction we want to lean.
0: Yeah, with the importance of ingredients for bean to bar chocolate, both from a standpoint of quality and ethics, does that give you much of a storytelling opportunity when you're releasing these beers to talk about the the origin of the cacao?
2: It does, yeah. You know, any any time that we can tag somebody else on Instagram or, or, or make this story a little bit larger than just like, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, I love to do that. If I'm going to say, hey, look, we got this new beer on tap. Well, it's also, hey, look, look what uh, Rebecca's doing. Look what, you know, how Smaltz is doing down the road. I love when the story kind of isn't just about us. It's about everyone else in the area as well.
0: Do you have a favorite of Rebecca's chocolate bars?
2: You know, I like I like some of the spicier ones that we've had. I can't actually tell you what the, the varietals are, but some of the ones with chili peppers in them can <laughs> be spicy. I'm, I'm into it.
0: Rebecca's 79% dark chocolate bar with Pisa, Haiti, cacao, and chili peppers is one of the best spicy chocolates I've tasted. With an earthy pepper heat tempered by the creaminess of the chocolate, a touch of smokiness, and some gentle salt to round out the body. It's gentle but bold, quiet but confident, like the former fine dining chef who crafted it.
1: I hope that Cleveland Chocolate really just highlights the the product itself. Growing up with the farm roots, it really means something for me to highlight what the farmer did and, and just not get in the way of it, and I and I hope that that's felt not getting in the way <laughs> is what I hope that, that people can feel and taste.
0: Thanks to Rebecca and Sean for coming on the show today. You can find all of the bars mentioned here as well as many others on clevelandchocolate.co, which I'll link to in the show notes. If you're in the Cleveland area, be sure to check out Cleveland Chocolate and Noble Beast Brewing. Thanks for listening to Bean to Barstool.